Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. and welcome to Dwell, a Cersei Institute podcast for homeschool moms by homeschool moms. I'm Emily Hill, and joining me are Karen Kern and Renee Mathis. Hey, friends. Hey. All right. So this past week, I had a funny thing happen to me. Uh, On Monday, I met up with a couple of college age girls that my teenage daughter works with, and we drove down to a local farm for a tour and just to work on the farm for the morning. So these girls are 19 and 21. We had a really delightful time and we chatted about boys and their future dreams and work and our faith and the church. Um, After the farm, I offered to take them to lunch and we had to wait for a little bit at the restaurant. So after dropping them off uh, to put our name in, I went to park the car and one of the girls turns to my daughter, Miette, and says, you know what, Miette, your mom's pretty cool. And Miette told me this later and I just kind of laughed because all of a sudden I realized that to these young girls, I was an older woman. And I know you ladies have encountered this before, but This was the first time I thought, wow, it matters how I relate to these young girls because they're they're watching me. And I remembered way back when my husband Owen and I were first married, um, there were several couples that essentially took us under their wing as we were both 21 and newlyweds and we were living in a new place for both of us, very far from home and not knowing a soul. And I still look back on those men and women and I give thanks for those relationships. Now, that wasn't a formal mentoring relationship, but it was extremely formative to our marriage. And mentoring relationships are important, whether formal or informal. So today we're just going to chat a bit about this and discuss mentoring and the place it plays in the journey of our own souls and in the lives of our children. So I hope I can just kind of take the back seat a little bit here um, and hear from you, Renee and Karen, of a little bit of your experience 
as mentors, but also what that looked like in your own life to be mentored um, and what that even means. So I don't know, let's just jump into this. What is a mentor? Renee, you want to start us off? I like the definition that says a mentor offers a special kind of guiding relationship with the goal of helping you flourish. So it's a little bit, I would say a little different than just a friend or, you know, maybe just a family member or a neighbor, but, but there's usually a, a purpose behind the relationship. And um, the word mentor comes from the Greek word minos for mind or strength or force. So when you think about a mentor, think mental energy um, back related to the mind again. So it's someone who's going to give you that encouragement, that mental energy um, to do what needs to be done. So the first time we see a, a mentor in that kind of a formal sense in, uh, in the Odyssey, we see Athena who takes on the role of a character named Mentor, and she's going to give Telemachus advice. And Telemachus is in a bad spot because his home life is terrible. His father's gone. His mother's at her wit's end. They're being eaten out of house and home by all these suitors. And Telemachus needs some courage. He needs some mental energy to do what needs to be done. And, and so Athena shows up to help him and, and to remind him of, of who he is and remind him of what his skills are and what his gifts are. And, and she's kind of there to just sort of, you know, egg him on a little bit. And so I, I like that idea of a mentor being that person to, um, to remind us of who we are and what our heritage is or what our legacy is, and maybe give a little bit of advice when we need it. So that's one way to think of, think of a mentor. So Renee, you had mentioned earlier when we were chatting about this, um, it was like a, a couple points of like why we, why we need a men mentor and kind of like the benefit of that. Um, so I was kind of like mulling over that a little bit and just wondered, you know, even Karen, maybe you have some thoughts on what is the, like, what is the purpose of that relationship? And like, why? Does everybody need a mentor or is it just like, oh, if you're struggling or need some help or? I think that everybody needs a mentoring relationship to some degree, pretty much all the time. Um, you are either going to be being mentored by somebody or mentoring somebody yourself, or maybe both is going on. And um, Emily, your, your story at the beginning here reminded me of when um, I was a young mom. David was 18 months. Matt was a brand new newborn. And Andrew took a job in a different town from our families, different country from his family. Um, and he was a youth pastor at a church. And there was um, an older woman there. Her name was Esther. And she'd been part of, before she joined our church, she was part of a uh, what we call Black Car Mennonite. And so um, she was an older woman who had years of experience being in community and serving each other in a way that Mennonites or Amish people can do with um, extreme ability. Um, and so she... That, that was kind of a mentoring relationship that was, um, um, we, we planned it. So she, came, she would come to my house once a week or once every two weeks. We would do, uh, read a book together. She would um, encourage me with child rearing, um, encourage me with um, how to support Andrew in his youth ministry position. And um, that was something that was, you know, um, 
really, really, really beneficial to me. And I look back on those years and I'm so, so grateful for that relationship. And at the same time, you know, there have been times in my life where there were just um, older women and who were there for certain periods of time or um, when you needed them, when you had a baby and they would come over and help you or um, come clean your house for you or talk to you at church or just were in a close relationship in a Bible study. And those kinds of things are really special too. And I, I see in my life currently, um, I host a book club here called Kindred and it's associated with Cersei, but um, it's in our home and all of the women except for one of them are younger. They're all in their 30s or their 40s. And I, I think that in some ways I play that role for them of um, having having been there when we're talking about raising children. You know, they'll ask me um, for my opinion about things. And I, I really honor and I'm grateful that they can that they can do that and that, you know, in some small way I can be a mentor to them as well. So I think that the whole mentoring relationship in some way to some capacity and varying amounts, depending on where you are in your life, it's kind of a lifelong thing. And that's healthy. Yeah, Karen, I was thinking when you were talking about that, that, um, you know, in, in my own life, you know, you had that, that older woman, that Titus II relationship where she came to you and, and helped you with your child rearing and, and being a newlywed and a new mom. And, um, and for me, my first real formal mentoring relationship as far as being mentored was through Cersei when I joined the Cersei apprenticeship. And, um, and Andrew, your husband, was the, the head mentor for our group. And I remember thinking at the time, you know, I want to be a better teacher. I want to do this well. And I didn't have a college degree in teaching. So here's this brand new thing where, you know, we're going to help you learn how to be a teacher, but it's not just going to be from reading books. It's going to be from spending time together in the community and having this relationship where someone watches you teach and helps you get better. And then you have this ongoing, you know, conversation over the course of several years while this is taking place. And, and it was wonderful. And I thought, wow, you know, <clears throat> we need more of this in society. We need more of that kind of learning in the context of a relationship, not just not just me by myself going to read a book or me by myself listening to a podcast, but but the relationship that's at the heart of it. And I think that's why it was so transformative for me to, to be able to do that kind of thing. That, you know, now I in turn want to do that for other people. And you do in your you have your own apprenticeship now. Right. So yeah, the Lord has been very good to bless me to, to be able to do that. And it's incredible. I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah. Y'all both said, you know, you, you gave an example of how you were mentored and in turn, you both said it made me want to mentor others. It's almost like there's this uh, generational passing, passing on and Maybe you can speak to that a little bit, because one of the things that I will say in my own life, I'm like on the very tail end or very, it's not tail end. I guess I'm on the very beginning of uh, the millennial generation. Like I barely made it. I made it by like a couple of years. And then uh, in the generation coming after mine in that you don't, you actually don't see this as much. You don't see this generational mentoring of the older women um, teaching the younger women, um, or even to your point, Renee, um, it wasn't, it wasn't woman to woman there. It was just uh, like person to person. 
Um, so also realizing it doesn't have to be just like older women, younger women. Um, sometimes it is based on the what is being taught or mentored. Um, so maybe speak into that a little bit of like what, where did we lose that generational mentoring and community and can we get it back? Is there like, what, what do we do about that? I, I'll jump in here because I have been thinking about this. Um, I've been thinking about how my grandmother was born in 1900. And so when she was a young mom in the, in the late twenties in the thirties and the forties, um, she was living in community with other people in her neighborhood. Um, she couldn't drive a car. She never learned to drive a car. So she was in her neighborhood with her children. She stayed home. All the people in her community stayed home. Um, she was close to the people in her church. Her sisters lived nearby. Her parents lived nearby. And so there was very natural community and there was a natural passing down of faith, of skills, um, of the ability to do things, homemaking, you know, baking, cleaning, all the things that were needed to be to, to be known in order to run your household were taught in community by people who are close to you. Um, and I'm sure that I'm over over um, simplifying, but you know, that's kind of in a nutshell how I see it. And then in my experience, when my mother was raising our family and in the 60s and in the 70s, she worked. She she was happy to work and all of my friends' moms worked. And maybe that was because we were suburbia outside of Toronto. Everybody, you know, everybody went to public school. Everybody walked to school. Um, everybody's moms worked. Um, there was lots of modern conveniences. There was all the modern foods and some of the skills got lost. I'm pretty sure um, because how could you how could you when everybody's working, maintain that level of teaching skills in community. And then when I was a young mom and I was encountering homeschooling for the first time and there were very few homeschoolers, it was like it was like doing it all alone. Um, I had a couple friends and we stayed home, we didn't work, but that was kind of rare actually in my community in the in the 80s. Um, and so one of my mentors was Elizabeth Elliott in terms of listening to her radio program for 15 minutes every day at noon, she came on and she was saying things I wasn't hearing anywhere else. I wasn't hearing that at church. I wasn't hearing that from my family. Most of my friends weren't saying those things, but she was saying things that spoke to my soul and fed me during a, during that time. And now I feel like my, my children um, and their friends are all relearning all of these skills that got lost. Like everybody's baking bread now. Um, everybody's wanting to knit. Everybody's having chickens, um, you know, harvesting their own eggs. I see that, I, you know, I hear when I'm with them, I'm hearing all of these skills that they're learning together, but they're not really learning it by being taught from like me because I'm learning all those things again now too. So, and I know that they're learning it from social media, from YouTube, and they're learning it in community, which there's a place for that. So hopefully, and then gen generation after that, they'll be teaching their, their children again, which I feel like many people who are my age lost learning from their mothers. What do you all think? So Jen, I would say an encouragement, as I was thinking while you were talking, is the episode that we did two or three dwell episodes ago about stories, 
right? And the importance of telling family stories and passing down family history from generation to generation. Um, even if we're not necessarily passing down skills about how to raise chickens or knit or whatever, we can still be passing down those kinds of um, family lore, history, culture that comes with the stories. And so I think that's one way to recapture or to, to prioritize that kind of a relationship. And then the other thing, as classical educators, we love history and we're not afraid of it. And, and we're not afraid of looking at the past and saying we can learn a lot from those who went before us. So I think there's hope. You know, I, I think there's hope for the whole generational passing on things from one to another, even if even if maybe some things skip a generation or even if it feels like right now we're just all learning to raise chickens together. But I don't have chickens, so I, no, I don't know. <laughs> but Emily, you probably have chickens, but I don't think you do. I actually don't have chickens because I like to go places and chickens need you to stay home and take care of them. Um, <laughs> but that being said... We do plan on having chickens, so that is true. That that's that's in the plan out here. Um, I I, I kind of want to jump on the one thing that you said, Karen, is that some of these uh, young people are learning um, some of these skills and such from social media um, or YouTube or you know learning in those ways or from each other, um, and specifically in our conversation about mentoring, um, like who's mentoring this generation is social media mentoring this generation and in some ways yes actually instagram and facebook like is totally mentoring this generation um and i think when you first hear that you're like that's terrible um and and i i kind of go back and forth on this a little bit um in that I know so many people, uh, friends, colleagues who um, have been so formed and shaped by really wise women who are on social media and that have really come alongside them, kind of like you were saying with Elizabeth Elliot, right? But instead of radio, it's Instagram um, or podcasts or blogs or whatever it is, um, because there is such a need for those of us who are just learning, right? We're just starting out or in the middle of it to how else are we going to answer these questions? Like, well, what kind of wife should I be? And what kind of mother should I be? And really seeing a, like, I'll even say like a global international movement happening of, um, it's kind of actually exploding of these, few like key people who are influencing this generation so I think sure I think there's something to be said for that and these women are I mean I say women men also but I'm thinking of more um like mothering and wifing and um they're greatly influencing great we're gonna let that be what it is but at the same time what role in real life real people um, do should we play as mentors or being mentored? Like, how do you find a mentor that's not so and so on, you know, the podcast that you listen to? Like, how do you go about finding a mentor then? If you're like, I want a real life flesh and blood mentor. Um, I I'm not sure how to find one, <laughs> but I 
I think that in potentially being one as an older woman, it is my role to make a place for a younger woman to talk to me if she wants to, to be in my home if she wants to, to come for tea, um, to talk to me at church, for me to show an interest in her children, for me to ask questions about her life and how she's doing. And I think that, I think that I, you know, I just have to remind myself that it's not the time for me to think, oh, I've been there, done that. I can, you know, I can do, I can just go out and hang out with my friends who are my age and we can, you know, commiserate about our grown children and all the things that we talk about. Um, no, we don't really commiserate about our grown children, but, you know, um, be grandmothers together. But I need to remember that um, I also have a role for all these women that God has put in my life in different places and to be intentional about reaching out to them and saying, how are you doing? You know, or sending a text that, 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 that can fill a void in their lives that maybe I don't even know at the time when I'm doing it. And that, that, you know, we can be a blessing like that. Beautifully said. That is so true. The key word. Yeah. It's intentional, right? We have to go where they are. And reach out to the younger women. And um, and I would say as younger women, find some older women in your own church, life, homeschool group, neighborhood, and reach out to them and maybe go where they are. Right? It has to, it has to be on both sides, I think. Um, there's there's so much value there to be had if we just, you know, get up and, and move a little closer to that other person. And, you know, we, I'll, I'll speak from someone who is looking for wise older women. Um, and actually, one of the things that I love about being on here with y'all is in many, I'm not saying you're old, okay? But I am saying that you're older than I am. You have grandchildren. So, um, and how I look towards your wisdom to answer those questions, like what kind of wife should I be? What kind of mother I should be? And realizing how important actually knowing a real life person is. And I think we, we just like live in such a celebrity age that we just, I mean, it's funny to say that some of these big names in like the homeschool world or um, like the Christian world are like celebrities, but they are. I mean, they have hundreds of thousands of followers and they are influencing women for the kingdom. And that's a great thing. But I think it is easy for my generation to let that be our whole mentoring experience. And it's actually easier because it doesn't require anything of us. Um, Like a mentor should challenge you and offer accountability and guide you. And um, Karen, when you said, come clean your house, I was like, I have the wrong kind of mentors because I need some that come clean my house. (laughs) Maybe you should go clean their house. I don't know. But I think that's something that we have lost that I'm, I'm hopeful, as you said, Renee, we can be hopeful of that we can find that, but it will mean as my generation is like getting back to like the land and gardening and chickens and all of that, I think let's get back to like real life people and community that's not just our peers, that we're not just learning from each other. You have to like go, go up to an older woman and be like, hey, can I take you to coffee? Can you tell me about 
your early years of motherhood. Can you tell me about raising teenagers? What was that like? Um, I would guess they'll say yes. Yeah, they um, would. They would. So how for you, for you two ladies who are more in, you're probably more in a mentoring position than being mentored. I'm sure you have those women in your life as well. Um, but looking back on when you had, maybe even with your children now, but when you had children in the home, if this is something that is generational and lifelong, how did you encourage your children to find mentors outside of you? Does that make sense? I think, yeah, and that's, that's funny you should bring that up because um, one of my daughters has, um, it, it just it just warms my heart. It's, it's just, I can't tell you how happy it makes me to see her having relationships with older women in her church. Um, and God has been very good to her. And, and I just look at that and I think, oh, thank you. I'm just so, so grateful that he has, he's put those women in her life. So I don't know that, that we ever really sat down and talked about, okay, this is what you need to seek out. But I would say modeling it for our daughters. Um, you know, they need to see us in relationship with older women, first of all. And I think being a part of a healthy community is also vital because a good, healthy church will have those kinds of relationships, right? If, if everyone in your church is your age, it's going to be really hard to find those older women and you're going to be lacking. I mean, I mean I'm not saying that those churches don't exist, but they do. But, you know, hopefully the Lord will continue to bring people to that body to give more diversity. And so being in a good, healthy church is going to be a good ground, you know, for those relationships to take root. And so... Um, you know, that, that's, it's been a real encouragement to me to see that in her life. Um, also, it's really neat because you see God using other people to fill in the holes. But, you know, we all have those places with our kids where we think, oh, man, I really should have done that with them. Or I wish we had a chance to do this. And we just don't. We can't do everything and be everything for them. But that's okay because there's a bigger picture and a bigger story out there. So, um, and that's one of the ways I think God, God can continue, he does continue to pour into the lives of our kids after they're gone and left home is through these relationships. So I would say model it for them. Number one, talk about what a blessing it is in your life. And then, and then be parts of a community where they can, where that kind of a thing can take place. Yeah, I, I would agree. That's, that's well said. And I think that often um, Christian teachers have done that, fill that, you know, place coaches, um, godparents, uh, yeah, they're, we've been thankful when other people have spoken into our kids' lives and been able to see that. What I keep hearing is, one, a lot of mention of church in that find someone in your church or um, mentoring in, in some sort of faith setting and just realizing how in a mentoring relationship, I, I guess it does, like, what's your end goal? Like, what are you trying to, like, what are you being mentored in? Um, and so like Renee, you mentioned with the apprenticeship, this, like the end goal is to be um, a classical teacher. That's what we're trying to do here. Um, and so as you said, just said, you know, maybe that's um, Karen, maybe it's a coach or whoever it is, but it does seem that 
at the end of the day, a true mentoring relationship is someone who um, like brings like the whole person along. It's like heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, and it seems like that's what, that is our longing for, that is our longing for our children in that their souls are being brought along in this journey. It's like the journey of the soul. Um, if we go back to Till We Have Faces, right? Who, like, who were her mentors? It's like you have the fox as a mentor. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, Bardia was a mentor too. If you didn't listen along with that one, yeah. Hopefully that was like intriguing and you're going to go listen now or read that book. Um, but realizing how teachers in particular play like such a pivotal mentoring role in our lives. And we are, so we do, it's like our profession, we're teachers. Um, so I loved hearing that just how you have been influenced by a mentor um, and how you're giving back in this. But as we wrap up, maybe you guys could just take just a couple minutes just to kind of maybe just give a couple a couple points of what, maybe practically like what a mentor does. Maybe just jump jump into that, like formally, what, what would you look for in a mentor? Something that comes to mind just when you were speaking there is somebody who can encourage and somebody who will say, you know, I will pray for you, you know, who can ask, ask what, what, what needs do you have and how can I help you and how can I pray for you? And then, you know, when we say that we're going to pray for somebody, we, we just need to pray for that. For, you know, we just need to pray by name for all those people that we say we're going to pray for. That just jumped out to me when you when you were just asking that question and and to be to be encouraging and to be willing to give what somebody needs, even if it costs us something like, you know, if somebody needs a meal and we're tired or whatever, we we just bring the meal and we because because it because it is it does cost something to to love people and to be a mentor to people. It costs time and it costs a willingness to serve. So we have to do it. Yeah, Karen, time is such an important part. It it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, the relationship might start with a very clear goal in mind. You know, I need you to help me learn how to be better at cleaning my house. Okay, there are some steps we can go through to do that. There are some things we can do concretely to work on that skill that is going to take time and there needs to be some challenging going on. I mean, one of the key things we do in the Cersei apprenticeship with, you know, as a mentor, one of the things I do with those in my care is assess how they're doing. And I have to love them enough to be able to tell them some hard things sometimes. Um, and I try to do it in such a way that blesses them, but I want them to grow. And it says one of my pastors was fond to say, nobody grows in fuzzy land. Sometimes we have to be very specific when we ask someone to do something or to change something a certain way. So um, there has to be some challenges and some accountability there as well. But hopefully the relationship and the love is there that, that it's going to be okay and we'll do it together. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like Virgil and Dante, right? He's guiding him along through a very scary place, but he's like, I, I know where we're going and it's going to be okay and you're going to be okay. And it may be hard, but I'm going to sometimes go ahead of you and 
we'll get there. So there's that confidence. And it comes out of love. I love that you said that like, it, it really is a heart of love because it does cost something. It costs something to be in a relationship with a person. Um, but there's just such great beauty between um, a, a mentor and the one being mentored in that relationship of, of growth and friendship and hope. So thank you for, that was so helpful to me. Thank you for being, I just want to say that. Thank you for being, uh, both of you being a mentor um, to us and for your words in that. So, all right, we're going to wrap up. So here's to home. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.